while you are flipping or swiping to Exodus 32, I'm going to dismiss our bridge kids at this time. That's all of our elementary age kids, grades K through 5. Your teachers are waiting for you and ready for you at the back. Because of you, Jesus is all. Exodus chapter number 32. We'll read the entirety of the chapter for our hearing and study. Verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go down. For your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand tablets that were written on both sides on the front and on the back they were written 
the tablets were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is noise of war in the camp. But he said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. He threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they made and burned it with fire and ground it to powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. Jump to 25, verse 25. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose for Israel had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his own son, of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. And the next day Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold, but now you will forgive their sin. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go. Lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. And behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. The word of the Lord. You may have your seed. Last week, we were in Exodus chapter number 24. And now we find ourselves today in Exodus chapter number 32. We don't skip Exodus 25 through 31 because they are unimportant. Exodus chapter 25 through 31 deal with the specifications for building the tabernacle which is where God's presence will dwell among his people. Chapters 35 through 40 also deal with the tabernacle. And so our plan of study is to go back and revisit these chapters at the beginning of Advent, because it is then that the Lord Jesus comes and tabernacles among his people. But sandwiched between these two, the, these two sections of tabernacle 
We have this issue of covenant unfaithfulness, sin, and God having to deal with this sin. Let's take a look at this. First thing we want to look at here in Exodus chapter number 32. Let's look at the sin in the camp. Verses 1 through 6. Sin in the camp. This, this section, Exodus chapter number 32, is one episode that has four different scenes. And that's how we will structure our sermon this morning according to the structure of the text. We have the scene at the top of the mountain, scene at the bottom of the mountain, another scene at the bottom of the mountain, and then back at the top of the mountain. So here, let's look first of all at what happens down in the camp at the bottom of the mountain. Our text opens when the, with the people observing that Moses was delayed in coming down from the mountain. And so they take matters into their own hands and demand of Aaron that he make them gods that would go before them. And they speak of Moses with contempt as they address him as this Moses. They feared that Moses has abandoned them. We must remember that Moses was the mediator, the go-between between God and the people. So now with Moses gone for at least 40 days and 40 nights, they lacked assurance that God was still with them. And so Aaron takes all the rings of gold from the people and creates this golden calf. And in verse 4, Aaron proclaims to the people, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Tomorrow shall be a feast, watch this, to the Lord. And I emphasize that last phrase, to the Lord intentionally, because I want us to see that they were not necessarily creating another God to worship. This calf was to be a representation of Yahweh. It was an icon, an image. In constructing this golden calf, they break the second commandment which said you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Remember last week in chapter 24, the people heard all the commands and laws of God, and this was their response to the laws. We will obey everything that the Lord has commanded. And now, within 40 days, they're already breaking the second commandment. Friends, this is covenant unfaithfulness. They have become disloyal to their king. And this is a high crime. It is blatant sin. I want us to learn a couple of lessons from this scene. First, the sin of the golden calf is the result of impatience. 
Look, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, they became impatient with Moses. And friends, what we must realize is that impatience is the enemy of faith. Their impatience with God and with Moses revealed their unwillingness to trust in the Lord's timing. And friends, we have to learn to be patient and wait on God. God knows what he's doing. Second lesson I want us to learn is that the Lord must be worshipped on his terms. The Lord had already revealed to Israel how he was to be worshipped. And part of that revelation was that he was to be worshipped without the use of images. And so this calf represented worship on their terms. And friends, we must worship according to how the Lord has revealed he wants to be worshipped according to Scripture. Worship is not about our preferences, our desires, or our wants. You wonder why it took so long for Courtney to pray this morning. Because that's how the Lord said he wants to be worshipped. Not through long prayers, but through praying. Which is why I have told the people who pray, don't rush when we talk to the Lord. Why is it that we sing? Because that's the way the Lord has said in his word. He wants to be worshipped. We ought to encourage, sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Why, why do we preach every Sunday? Because that's what the Lord has said, how he wants to be worshipped through the preaching of his word. So that's the sin in the camp. So let's go to the mountaintop. What's happening up there? Let's see, secondly, the intercession of Moses in verses 6 through 14. The intercession of Moses. So we move to this new scene on the mountaintop, and the Lord says to Moses in verse 8, he says, go down for, watch this, your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I have commanded them. Friends, notice that the pronouns here that the Lord uses are completely opposite of the language that the Lord typically uses. Earlier in Exodus, here's how the Lord would identify himself to Israel. He would say, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 19, I believe it was, the Lord said, listen, when you keep my commandment, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And now the Lord says, they done went off and did this. They've committed treason against me. Yeah. Most of them, your people. <laughs> but it's different from what my wife and I do, because when one of our kids get on our nerves and do something they ain't supposed to be doing, go get your son. <laughs> no, this ain't what it is. God is showing him that his people, they, since they have broken covenant, they are not my people. 
and are no longer deserving to be called my people, my treasured possession. They have forfeited that by bowing to the golden calf. And so the Lord tells Moses, leave me alone so I can be angry with them, consume them, and start over with you. But Moses persists and intercedes on behalf of Israel. Watch how he intercedes for them. He says to the Lord, oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? He reminds the Lord that they are indeed the Lord's people. Because it was the Lord who brought them out of Egypt. It wasn't because of Moses. It wasn't because of Israel. It was all the Lord. And so Moses says, Lord, it was you who birthed this nation. You, because you brought them out, have legal claim on this nation. And we know it was you who did it because you delivered them with great power and with a mighty hand. And only you could bring them out that way. So, Lord, they are indeed your people. So then he appeals. After that, he appeals to the Lord on the basis of his glory. Look at verse 12. He says, why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out? to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Moses here essentially tells the Lord, Lord, your honor is at stake. Your name is on the line. Your reputation will be ruined because the Egyptians will misinterpret your judgment as evil. So Lord, for the sake of your great name, preserve your people. His final appeal to the Lord is based on his covenant promises to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Jacob. He says to the Lord, Lord, you promised these patriarchs. You said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised, I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And so Moses prays based on God's revealed word. Friends, Moses teaches us how we ought to pray. We ought to pray according to the revealed will of God and the promises of God. We ought to pray for what will bring God glory. I've been praying for a lady that's dealing with some cancer and besides my wife, and um, it's not looking too great. And I told the Lord, Lord, this is one of your faithful servants. She is not ashamed to tell of your goodness and your wondrous works for the sake of the fame of your name. Will you preserve her life? Lord, don't do it just because I don't want my friend to lose his mother. I don't want people to lose their wife, their cousin, whatever it may be. But Lord, for the sake of your name. And friends, this is how Moses prays, and this is how we ought to pray. For the sake of your name, Lord. So... Friends, Moses intercedes here, and because of Moses' intercession, the text says in verse 14 that the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. 
friends. There's an old song that we used to sing when I was growing up that's got me happy this morning. And it just simply said these words, somebody prayed for me. Had me on their mind, took the time and prayed for me. And then the singer would say, I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed for me. Here's why you missing your shout. Because you think you made it this far based on your own goodness or your own self or your, you're a self-made man. The reason you are standing here today is because somebody was praying for you. Okay, y'all still ain't getting it. Listen, listen. When you was enjoying your sin, your mama was at the house praying for you. When you was in the hotel with who, God knows who, somebody was praying for you. When you was at the bar doing God knows what, only God knows somebody was praying for you. The reason you didn't have an accident while you was texting and driving is because somebody was praying for you. And so what we need in the church is the ministry of intercession. We are praying for one another. But listen, they would get to a verse in that song. They would say, my mother prayed for me. My father prayed for me. And then at the end, this was my favorite part. Jesus prayed for me. I got to get out of here. Had me on his mind. You do know that that is Jesus' present day ministry. He sits at the right hand of the father. And all he does is praise for you. That's what the Lord is doing for you. That's why you ought to be encouraged right now because Jesus is praying for you. When your enemies come against you, Jesus is praying for you. When the devil comes and tells on you, Jesus is praying for you. When you feel like giving up, Jesus is praying for you. We have a great intercessor in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying. Now, I don't have time, but, but somebody is struggling right here. They're saying, Pastor, help me, because you told me that the Lord, our God, is immutable. You told me he doesn't change, but he said he was going to continue. He prayed, and it looks like he changed his mind. Matter of fact, according, the, the, depending on which uh, translation of the Bible you have it doesn't say relent but it says he repented so pastor help me with that you need to go listen to my other sermon and my prayer series because I don't have time to deal with all of this but what you have to realize is that word relent means to have pity to have compassion so really what happens is what we see is not the Lord changing his mind, but what we see is the mercy of God. What I said in that message, and I don't have time to really um, uh, make the case for, is that God, yes, he is sovereign. He decrees the ends, the outcome, what will happen. But not only does he decree the ends, but he also decrees the means. And God has declared that one way that his will will be done is through prayer. Yeah, yeah. Let's see here. So the scene changes. We got to keep moving. Thirdly, we, in verses 15 through 30, we see the righteous anger of Moses. Moses goes down to the camp. He's got the tablets that have the law written on them. He sees this calf. 
and he sees the people dancing and the text says that Moses' anger burned hot. And he threw the tablets out of his hand and broke them. Moses is angry because of the people's covenant unfaithfulness. Friends, just question it and then we'll move on. Does sin and idolatry anger you? Friends, I, I, I have to wrestle with this. I, I'm trying to wrestle with this grace and holiness. Because some, there are some things on TV that I watch and I wonder if I just have become okay with sin. I haven't arrived yet at the answer. I'm wrestling with this. There are times when, when, when I see people do stuff and I say, well, that's them. And I know it's wrong and it's against God. All right, y'all can help me with that. So Moses, out of his anger, righteous anger, by the way, destroys the calf completely. And friends, this is the only way to deal with idolatry and sin. Root it out and destroy it. Verse 25 says, and when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, in other words, this was Israel gone wild. Y'all know too much about that. Why y'all laughing? <laughs> then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him. And Moses told these Levites, he said, I want you to go to the camp. Kill your brother, your companion, and your neighbor. Is God really good if he orders a massacre? We must remember that in ancient Near Eastern covenants, they ended with blessings for keeping the covenant and curses for breaking the covenant. So I argue that God actually demonstrates his faithfulness to his own covenant by enforcing the curses of the covenant. Now, it, it doesn't show that God isn't good. No, it shows he's faithful. It shows he's holy. It shows he's just. But we also must remember the words of our own Lord Jesus Christ who said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves, uh-oh, son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Friends, this is a test of discipleship. Folks like to focus or dwell on the fact that God orders a massacre when that was what God already told them would happen for breaking the covenant. But I think the shout in this, there's a shout in this text right here. Depending on who you listen to or read, they say that if around two million people came out of Egypt. The text says, that only 3,000 died. That's a lot of math, but here's what I can tell you. A whole lot more people lived than died. And friends, that's grace and mercy right there. 
because what they all deserved was destruction. But God didn't kill them all. He only killed some of them. And that's really what we ought to see here. I think that's really what Moses is trying to show us here in recording this for us is that we serve a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We'll see that next week as we study chapters 33 and 34. He's painting a portrait of a merciful God. Instead of giving them what they deserve, he withholds some of his judgment for some of these. Finally, Moses says to the people, you've committed a great sin. He said, perhaps I can go to the mountain." top for you and make atonement for you. And so finally, what we see in verses 31 through 35 is an unqualified substitute. Moses goes up to the mountain and he says to the Lord, Lord, take me. Blot me out of your book. The Lord says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to blot out the guilty. Moses, you've been faithful to me. I'm not going to blot you out. But Moses, more than anything, I, I, I can't take you as a substitute for your people because you are unworthy. Moses, you are a sinner just like them. Just because you had one good moment don't mean you are now worthy to serve as anybody's substitute to atone for them. Sinners can't save sinners. The only acceptable sacrifice for atonement for sin is a sinless substitute. Thank you for my exit. I found it. The book says, he that knew no sin. That's Jesus Christ, by the way. Became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God. And friend, all of us stand in need of a worthy substitute. And we have that substitute in Jesus Christ because we on our own are just like Israel. We deserve to be blotted out the book of life. But now because of Jesus, our great and worthy substitute, our Savior and Redeemer, we can rejoice because our names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name, are you sure your name is in that book? The only way you get your name in that book now is through a worthy substitute, Jesus Christ. Jesus died our death. He took our penalty. God's wrath, God's anger was put upon his own son so that you could have eternal life, so that your name could be written in the Lamb's book of life. And that's why we preach and proclaim the gospel because we want more names in that book. The names are there, but you need to to make sure your name is there by responding by faith. 
Your name doesn't get there by just holding or keeping or obeying a bunch of laws and rules. Israel shows us that we are not capable of doing that. We're all sinners, lawbreakers. And what we deserve is God's judgment, God's wrath, punishment. But God still extends grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you have not yet trusted in Jesus Christ, you're not sure your name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, I encourage you to put all of your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. He's a worthy substitute. Nobody or nothing else can substitute for your sin, can atone for your sin. You've been a good person, won't do it. Good works won't do it. Rule keeping won't do it. Only Jesus. Someone may be here today and you are, you have, you are sure your name is in the Lamb's book of life. There's some things in here for this text. What's your golden calf? What is replacing God in your life? I, <laughs> I had the audacity to go preach a youth conference this summer. Uh, it, it was a youth camp, youth camp. Yeah, I was there all week. And guess what I preached? One of the sermons I preached, one of, what the text was I preached from. Anyone who does not love mother or father is not worthy of me. These babies, one but 12 or 13 years old. I think some of us need to hear the words of Christ. I'm concerned that there is some unholy devotion to, some, to our family. Are you on the Lord's side? Are you willing to pay whatever cost the Lord requires of you? Let's stand. Father, we have heard your word. And we confess, Father, that we have been guilty, are guilty, will be guilty of erecting idols in our hearts. God, convict us. Show us what these idols may be. And help us, God, to destroy them, tear them down, repent and turn to you. Father, we thank you that there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are praying for us when we are too weak to pray for ourselves, we're thankful that our, we have a great high priest in Jesus who makes intercession for us. God, give us a heart to intercede for our brothers and sisters. Forgive us for being selfish in our prayers and just focusing on us and ours. Help us, God, to have a heart for others. We thank you for our great intercessor and mediator, Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for loving us. There be some person in here who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit, begin to do a work in their heart.
convict, convince, and convert by the power of your spirit. To the, and we pray all these things for the sake of your glory, your name, in the name of Christ. Amen. Friends, you are sent.